outside of Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning podcast, Reality. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for listening tonight. My name is Sandman, and I will be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. Well, everybody, tonight begins season 14 of the podcast. I can't believe it, man. I have been doing this off and on for 14 long years. It doesn't really seem like it on one hand, but then on the other hand, I look back and I go, wow, it has been a long time. So season 14, seen a lot of changes come and go through the show. I've tried different things. Some things have been successful. Some things have not. And since it's a new decade, I wanted to give the show another refresher of some sorts. So during the holiday break, I made a few changes. First of all, you'll notice that the podcast is now just simply called Parareality instead of Parareality Radio. Back whenever I first started this podcast back in 2004, podcasting hadn't really been invented yet, so to speak. And because I was broadcasting via Live 365, which is an internet radio platform, I had the word radio on the title of the show. And then I took a break from doing the show from 2007 to 2009, and that's when doing internet talk shows like mine and, and well, just basically internet talk shows, period, developed into what we now know as podcasts. So when I came back in 2009, um, I began to use Spreaker to host my show. And I, I never took the word radio off of the end. That always kind of bothered me because technically I wasn't doing anything different from what I had been doing, but it was just that the, 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 the name of what I was doing had changed. It wasn't radio anymore. It was, it was podcasting. And I had spent a lot of time and effort and money developing the brand of Parareality Radio that I was really hesitant to change. I wanted to drop the radio off the end of it. At the same time, I didn't because it was part of my brand. However, I finally decided to go ahead and embrace this change. And with a new decade comes a new name for the show. So from now on, the show is simply going to be called Parareality. Second, I have developed a new logo for the podcast as well. Again, even though I had worked on designing the old one and invested a lot of time and energy into it. It was actually just tired and and really no longer represented what the podcast had grown into. Originally, the ghost and microphone logo represented what the show was all about. Ghosts, paranormal investigating, the equipment and techniques involved, how to identify the different types of hauntings and other things such such as that. But over the years, the podcast evolved into something more all-encompassing when it came to the paranormal. I branched out into other mysterious happenings and events and aliens and UFOs, ancient alien therapy, 
therapy, ancient alien theory, <laughs> cryptozoological stuff, uh, chemtrails, and, and all kinds of conspiracy theories. In other words, the paranormal is more than just about ghosts and paranormal investigating. It encompasses, well, all that I just mentioned and much, much more. So, once again, during the holiday break, I sat down and designed, with help, a new logo, one that I think better represents what this podcast is all about. Now, it's very different than what I had, and it's really just kind of a lot more simple. It's a, what I call a hexagram encased in a circle, and in the middle of that hexagram is a triangle that has within it the all-seeing eye, which I think represents what this podcast is really all about. The way I look at it is that I am the watcher, keeping an eye on all things in the known and unknown realms. I am constantly looking for answers to life's greatest mysteries and taking you, the ever-loyal listener, with me on my journey. The new logo is just simply a hexagram with the all-seeing eye right in the center of it and the word, of course, parareality down below. And that is going to be the new show logo from now on. And this new logo is going to be available on my new merchandise very soon. I'm working on opening up a new store. Uh, so uh, just in case you'd like to show your support for the show, you can very soon purchase items with uh, my new logo on it. And for all of you who like the old logo, don't worry. I'll still have that available on items in my new store as well. And I also, uh, well, before I settled on this logo, I went through several other renditions and I kind of like all of them. Um, but you, you gotta have, you know, you can't have, 20 different logos for the show, right? But I can have some alternate logos that I can put on some merchandise and stuff. So you're going to see a, a bunch of merchandise with a whole bunch of different stuff on it. So you're not going to be uh, just um, relegated to just buying just this one shirt or just this one uh, whatever with one logo on it. So um, there's going to be a variety of different stuff that I'm going to be introducing into my store. And I want to, uh, before I go any further, I want to thank the person who helped me design this logo. He's a guy named Drew. And Drew, if you're out there listening, which uh, he said he would be, uh, I want to thank you very much for all of the time and effort that you put into helping me design this logo. Uh, basically, what I did was I uh, um, kidnapped him and made him work on this for a total of probably like three whole days. And uh, we would decide on something, we'd get it all done, and then somebody would, would be, oh, no, wait, I have this other idea. Or we would get it done, and it would be like, oh, it didn't turn out like I thought it would. And so it was a, it was a, big, uh, it was a bigger deal than, than what I thought it was going to be. But I really appreciate Drew for, uh, for helping me design the new, oh, well, all of the new parareality stuff. Thank you very much, Drew. Now, the third thing that I've changed or the third thing that I've done is that uh, I've expanded my website. You'll now find that uh, parareality.com has a page devoted entirely to my chemtrail research, complete with some pictures from my own personal collection, along with a couple of videos on there. Uh, 
I've also expanded the news section and added a lot more content for all of you paranormal news junkies out there. If you wanted to subscribe to uh, my news, just uh, subscribe to my RSS feed. Please feel free to do so. Uh, I'm also going to be adding uh, a little section uh, that uh, is just an in memoriam section to the website at some point here in the future. There are a couple of uh, friends of the podcast that have moved on from this realm and uh, they now know what's on the other side. And I'd really like to honor them for a short while. And I'm going to put up an in memoriam page uh, somewhere on the website here really soon. So those are all the changes that I've made and the reasons behind them. And now let's get on with the show. But before we do, let me tell you how you can contact with me here, how you can get in contact with me here on the podcast, because, you know, there are a few different ways that you can do it. <clears throat> First of all, you can just simply email me. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. Second, you can find me on Facebook by going to my Parareality page. And uh, the, my uh, Facebook page has been changed from Parareality Radio to just simply Parareality. So you just... Uh, do a Facebook search for Parareality, and you can find my Parareality page there on Facebook. Third is you can follow me on Twitter. My username is, for right now, Parareal Radio. I'm going to be changing that username just as soon as I can find one that I like to use that goes along more in uh, with the theme of the show. Um, I'm trying my best to get Twitter to let me use Parareality. There's someone that has that account, unfortunately. They created it in 2012 but has never posted anything to it, so I'm trying to convince Twitter to close that account and give it to me so that I can can have it. So I'm, I'm in a, a battle with Twitter. So let's see what happens. Let's see if I can win that battle. I know I'm not going to, but I'm going to try. But my my, uh, my Twitter handle for right now is Parareal Radio. It is going to be changing here probably before the second episode of season 14. And lastly, you can always call the show here on the studio line at 615-692-1170 and leave a message on the studio line. That number to call once again is area code 615-692-1170. Just leave me a message on the studio line. And I'm in the studio working a lot, actually, working on the podcast. So I just might answer the phone. You never know. Um, and also you don't just have to leave me a message for the a question or whatever. Um, you can leave me your story. I'm always looking for interesting stories for the podcast. So if you have a story that you'd like to get on the show, tell it to me over the voicemail on the studio line. If you run out of time, call back and just pick up where you left off. Now, of course, you know, you can always leave your question or your comment on the studio line as well. And if you don't want me to play whatever message you leave, whether it's a story or whether it's a comment or a question, whatever, if you don't want me to play that back, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. Just by leaving the message, you're giving me permission to play your comment back on the show. So if you don't tell me you don't want it played, chances are very high that I will play it on the show. And if you don't want me to do that, you need to say so in the message. So like I said, you, it just could be a comment. It could be a question that you may have for me. Maybe you want to tell me the story. 
and you can just leave your story on the voicemail. And if you run out of time, just call back and pick up where you left off. That number is once again is 615-692-1170. So those are all the different ways you can get in contact with me, Sandman, here on the show. You can email me, Sandman at Parareality.com. Call me on that studio line, 615-692-1170. Find me on Facebook at Parareality. Or look me up on Twitter at Parareal Radio. So those are all the different ways to get in touch with me, Sandman, here on Parareality. I know I'm going to slip up here before long. I'm going to say Parareality Radio, but you're going to have to you know, help me through the hump there. All right, so before we get into tonight's topic, I, uh, I have a, a an email that I want to read from uh, a, a regular listener named Jason. He sent me a, a few emails over the last couple of years, well, over the last several years, and uh, he's been a loyal listener of the show. And I want to thank you, Jason, for uh, being, a number one, a loyal listener, and, and number two, for sending me this email, because this email is really the reason why I'm doing tonight's topic. And I'm not going to tell you what the topic is. I'm going to read the email to you first. So Jason writes, and he's referring to my Halloween episode. And he writes, good episode, man. I really appreciated the movie inserts that got me in the right state of mind for the holiday. Though LaVey, meaning Anton LaVey, started the religion of Satan, the satanic religion, in the 60s, People have chosen to be in league with dark forces long before that. I don't know much about those rituals, but I would be surprised if they were annually tied to the fall season. And this is where it really comes into play with what tonight's topic is, because this is what gave me the idea. So this is what he says. He says, seems like you try to be vague as to your religious beliefs on the show, and that's understandable. It would probably open up the door to endless debates and emails if you picked a side. But the topic is undeniably tied to the themes of some shows. I'm curious as to where you stand. I knew I know you grew up near the Bible Belt, and uh, the Christian approach there can be very off-putting. Can an atheist be a paranormal investigator, and how would that work? Seems like an oxymoron to me. Maybe an idea for a future show, keep up the great work. Well, yes, it was a perfect idea for a show, and I thought that I would use that to kick off Season 14 of Parareality. So thank you very much, Jason, for that email, and thanks for suggesting that I do a show on religion and the paranormal. Now, I, I first of all, before I go, you've already figured out what the, the topic of the show is going to be, right? Does religion and the paranormal mix? Do they go together? Can you have both or do you, can, can you only just have one? Can you only be religious or a Christian and not be a paranormal investigator? Or do you have to take your religion and throw it aside? Do you have to cast it aside to be a paranormal investigator? So that's what the show is going to be about tonight. And um, to answer your question, Jason, um, personally, I think that religion should not have a role at all whatsoever in paranormal investigating. Um, I think if you bring your religious views into it, that you're going to um, open yourself up to making some 
some false determinations about what it is that's going on during your investigation. That could be um, you're misinterpreting the entity that you're you're speaking to. You could be speaking to the spirit of a dead person, but because of your religious beliefs, you may automatically interpret that as being a demon. Or you may uh, have the religious view that there's absolutely no way that our souls will stay here on this plane. They either have to go to heaven or go to hell, and there's no in-between. So what you're talking to has to be a demon. And you kind of see what I'm what I'm getting at here. You you can't take you can be religious. You can believe in God and you can go to church and you can be a Christian. But when you're investigating the paranormal, you have to have an open mind. It's okay to be skeptical. That's how I describe myself as an open-minded skeptic. So a good degree of skepticism is healthy, but you really do need to have more of an open mind and you cannot close the door to the possibilities that the paranormal exists and what those possibilities are. You can't give yourself tunnel vision and bring your religion into paranormal investigating. Um, And can an atheist be a paranormal investigator? Uh, Absolutely. An atheist can be a paranormal investigator. You know, an atheist doesn't believe that God or Satan exists, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't believe that there's a soul or something, some sort of unseen essence about our bodies that doesn't move on or hang around. So atheism, yes, you can be an atheist and investigate the paranormal, just like you can be a Christian and investigate the paranormal. The same rules apply, though. You have to keep your mind open. You can't be closed off. You have to have a good degree of skepticism, just like I said, but you have to keep your mind open no matter what your point of view. So thanks, Jason, once again for that excellent email and for giving me the idea for tonight's episode of Parareality. So let's get on with the show and let's talk about religion and paranormal investigating, or as most people would say, ghost hunting. Now, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you probably know that I hate to use the term ghost hunting or ghost hunter. I think that it's not a, I think it's a derogatory term when you say ghost hunting or ghost hunter. Uh, and I think it automatically conjures up, you know, people stumbling around in the dark with flashlights doing some Scooby-Doo stuff and they don't know what the hell they're doing. Paranormal investigating has a better uh, sound to it as far as I'm concerned. It, it gives a, a, a more of a, a, a more mature, a more, uh, 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 gives the air that, you know, you are educated in this and you know what you're doing. So, Let's get, let's get on with it, okay? So let's start with this. In September, in a September 2019 poll conducted by a political website called YouGov.com, more than four in 10 Americans believe that ghosts, demons, and other supernatural beings exist. That's a lot. So more than four in 10. So almost half of Americans believe in ghosts, demons, and other supernatural beings. More than one in five, or 22%, say that demons definitely exist, 
while slightly more at 24% believe that they probably exist. Now, the numbers are similar when Americans here in the uh, United States here are asked about ghosts. Uh, 20% or so say that they definitely exist compared to 25% who say they probably exist. So it's a little play on words there, but definitely and probably are not necessarily the same things, right? So they're pretty close, right? So 22% say that demons definitely exist and 24% say they probably exist. 20% of people say that ghosts definitely definitely exist and 25% say they probably exist. Um, If you break it down, into some different categories. And I'm looking at this uh, uh, category list here on the scale. And it says, uh, this is what they generally speaking, you believe that each of the following do or do not exist. And then they have it broken down in percentage. So the largest, the number one with the largest percentage is other supernatural beings. That's 46% of Americans say that other supernatural beings exist. Demons comes in a close second at 45%. Ghosts come in tied with demons at 45%. So you have demons and ghosts either definitely or probably exist at 45% each. Other supernatural beings at 46%. Now, they didn't break that down into what other supernatural beings it could be, but I'm thinking it could be stuff like angels, um, cryptozoological stuff, maybe even aliens, I don't know. And then uh, the last one, bringing up the rear, are vampires. They, I don't know why they had vampires in a separate category, but they did. Only 13% say that vampires either definitely or probably exist. So you have a lot of people, roughly half of all Americans, think that ghosts, demons, and other supernatural uh, <clears throat> beings exist. So that's um that's a pretty large amount. And this number is actually more than doubled since uh the 2004 uh debut of the hit sci-fi paranormal reality show Ghost Hunters and I was a big fan of that uh for the first few seasons and the last like I don't know 3 or 4 seasons it got old and tired and it was just the same old thing over and over again even though Grant uh, Wilson left. I thought that would change the show, and it, it really didn't. But anyway, it was a big hit, and it pretty much, that show, defined how we do paranormal investigating up to this very day. It also defined the, you know, the theme for all these paranormal reality shows, whereas you have a team of people, they go in, they... First of all, they investigate the history of the place. They do their investigation. And then during throughout the investigation, they have their little solo one-on-one interviews here and there. And then they review their evidence and have their conclusions. You know, in, in all of the, the uh, paranormal reality shows are pretty much the same way, built on that same formula. And it works. And Ghost Hunters was, I think, single-handedly... Uh, responsible for the resurgence and of, of 
the interest in the paranormal. Now paranormal is mainstream, baby. It's not like you're on the fringe anymore. People are no longer ashamed to say, yeah, I believe in ghosts or yeah, I'm a, I'm a paranormal investigator or a ghost hunter, you know? So more than one in three people feel like they've been in contact with the dead, whether that's through a, a ghost, a, a psychic or some sort of other means of communication. Now among white evangelical Christians, that number is at 20%. And it gets even higher among white mainline Protestants. That's 29%. Black Protestants, it goes up to 37%. And then white Catholics, it's at 35%. So it would seem that there are a lot of Christians with an interest in the paranormal, but it seems like they really don't feel like they can go to their pastor. If they do talk to a church leader about it, a lot of times they're just simply dismissed or blown off, right? And what's going to happen if you don't get an answer from a Christian leader or your church leader? Well, you're going to go look somewhere else, aren't you? And where are you going to find your answers? Probably not where a lot of ministers or preachers or church officials want you to find your answers. This is where people get into using things like Ouija boards and other different forms of communication and divination. And there are so many theories out there as to what a ghost is that it's almost impossible to keep track of them all. Probably the most popular theory is that ghosts are the spirits of humans who have died but not yet crossed over to either heaven or hell. And that's the theory that I believe in. You can kind of look at this earthly plane after you die. You can kind of look at this as like purgatory. But that's the theory that I believe in, is that it's the spirit of someone who has died but hasn't yet crossed over to wherever it is that they're going to spend eternity or have the potential to spend eternity. And on the other hand, most Christians believe that when people encounter a ghost or a spirit that it's not a dead human, that it's a demonic entity that's intent on deceiving us as the living. I personally I think that this is one of the biggest reasons that demon hunting has become so popular within the paranormal investigation community these days is because of religious Christian Christian beliefs and because of popular paranormal investigating shows i.e. ghost uh, adventures have just really popularized demon hunting. I, I, I call out ghost adventures not to be rude, but, but I, I, I respect Zach Bagans uh, and what he is trying to do. Um, I, I really love the show, and I didn't used to be a fan of his. I used to hate ghost adventures, and I thought that the ghost adventures crew, as they used to be called, I thought that they were three freaking idiots running around out there and they were, uh, but you know, as they learned and grew, they matured and their investigative techniques changed. But Zach's has been on this kick for the last two or three or four or so years about demons and everything is an evil demon these days. And he even did that documentary demon house and, and it's demons, demons, demons. Well, not everything that you encounter is a demon. I think that's just his niche. I think that's what his, I'm, I'm not saying he's doing this on purpose. I'm just saying I think he's being a little bit too quick 
to judge for some reason. And now if he feels something that's negative is automatically a demon. And you take that and you add to it people's Christian beliefs and you've got demons all over the place now in the paranormal investigating community. And it's not really like that. At least I don't think so. But what does the Bible say about ghosts? Does religion play a part in paranormal investigating? And if it does, should it? Does it even have a place in the paranormal at all? Well, the majority of evangelicals say the Christian worldview does not allow for ghosts and hauntings and stuff like that being here on this earthly plane. Now, the Bible is very clear on two points on which nearly all denominations agree. First off, this is what the Bible says. If any spirit that is not God is not to be trifled with, the Bible repeatedly and firmly condemns the living seeking out the dead. And second, and this is crucial here, diabolical spirits can and do take on kindly or nice appearances. Now, this can mean looking like some sort of angelic being or maybe one of our deceased loved ones or even a child. All spirits, according to the Bible, are to be tested against what we know from Scripture. Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, the word ghosts appears 108 times. However, the word is never used in the sense of it being the, you know, the disembodied spirit of someone who's died. It's used in only two ways. First of all, it appears in the phrase to give up the ghost, meaning to die. And second, it occurs as the title, the Holy Ghost, or the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. The Bible refers to ghosts or spirits of the dead as quote-unquote familiar spirits and warns us against having anything to do with them. And this can be evidenced, and this is where I'm going to start quoting Scripture. And I'm not... um, I'm not advocating one religion versus the other. I'm not saying that the Bible is to be interpreted literally. What I'm saying here is I am citing some scriptures, and this is one way that they can be interpreted. Okay? So the first one, we I'm going to do four here. The first one is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, and it says, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. The second can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 12. And this says, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, practices divination or conjury, interprets omens, practices sorcery, casts spells, consults a medium or familiar spirit, or inquiries of the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. In other words, don't you shouldn't go get your palm read. You shouldn't go to a psychic medium to try to contact your dead family member. You shouldn't try to do scrying in the mirror 
or look in the crystal ball. It even says that casting spells is wrong, so you can't practice Wicca. So Deuteronomy, that's a big one, right? Chapter 18, verse 10 through 12. The second comes from, uh, the, excuse me, the third from, comes from the second Kings, verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 6, and it says, He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced sorcery and divination, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did great evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So here, it's talking about somebody who did these things that Deuteronomy said that you shouldn't do. And Deuteronomy said, hey, if you do this, this is a testable to the Lord. Somebody did it, and the Lord was, he got angry, which is exactly what Deuteronomy said was going to happen. And then finally, the fourth one is Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. It says, when men tell you to consult the spirits of the dead and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, shouldn't a people consult their God instead? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? So this is saying you should really be talking to God. You don't need to try to even worry about the dead, right? So you have all of these things that say don't try to contact the dead. It's going to piss God off. Now, why would trying to contact the dead piss God off? doesn't really go into a lot of detail about why that would happen. Why would, why would the Lord be pissed off if we're trying to contact the dead? Any dead, not just your family members, but any dead. doesn't really say. It just says, hey, don't do it. If you do, I'm going to get pissed off. And what does the Bible say about ghosts haunting houses and, and other places, you know, hospitals and abandoned buildings and cemeteries and anywhere that you can think of that can be haunted, which is basically anywhere? What does the Bible say about it? Well, Job chapter 7, verse 9 through 10 in the New King James Version says this, As the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. He shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him anymore. So the Bible is saying, once you will go into your grave, you don't come back up. You're not going to be up there amongst the living haunting anything. That's what the Bible says. And if people die with an unfinished business, do they become ghosts and haunt the places and people that they knew in life? Well, once again, look in the Bible. Psalm 146, verse 4. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. So, no. If you have unfinished business, it's unfinished business. You never get a chance to finish it. That's a lot of thing, reasons why people think that there are hauntings and spirits and stuff is because they have unfinished business. They're trying to get something accomplished. Maybe they were murdered and they want people to find out who murdered them. That's a you know, very common theme. According to the Bible, it's just, it is what it is. You, you're not going to get that done. Your spirit can't do it because your spirit doesn't come back up. So what about communicating with the dead? Now, we've already said the Bible doesn't want us to do this, right? So I've given you, what, four, I guess, uh, Leviticus, 
Deuteronomy, 2 Kings, and Isaiah. Well, there's even more. There's uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 through 6. <clears throat> In the New King James Version, it says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So that's it. You, you, you go away and there's no communicating with you. And if, if someone does try to communicate with you, they're going to piss the Lord off because they shouldn't do that. But we don't know why, just says we shouldn't do it. So you have to ask the question then. The, the, we've talked about don't do it. And we've talked about, you know, your spirit doesn't come back up once you're buried. So according to the Bible, are ghosts real? Well, sort of. The Bible says that a form of ghost exists, but they're not angels from God and they're not our dead loved ones. They are fallen angels trying to deceive us. And an example of that is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12 in the King James Version. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, ghosts are not really ghosts. They are some form of fallen angel. The second Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 14 through 15 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So this is saying that even Satan himself will disguise himself as uh, something of an angel of light. Now, look at Satan. Satan is not a God. Satan is a fallen angel, right? Satan was an, one of the Lord's most trusted angels. I'll take a drink here. Hold on. Throat's getting dry. So Satan was one of the Lord's more trusted angels, right? But he rebelled. And God could have just ended his existence, but no, he cast him out. And now he is, you know, the evil Satan who rules hell and tries to steal souls from the living, tries to take them away from God and come unto, come unto him. So even he can take the, the disguise of a being of light. So what does happen to people when they die? Do good people become angels? Well, God's angels are heavenly beings, not spirits of dead humans. Angels have existed long time before we humans were created, a very long time according to the Bible. Psalm 8, verse 4 through 5, the New King James Version says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? 
for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. The you this is someone speaking to God, saying that, hey, you created man, but he's below us angels, but yet you bestow all this honor and glory and love upon him. So angels get jealous, right? But when we die, we're not, we don't automatically become an angel. It's not like, you know, you see when you die, the halo appears above your head and you have the long flowing robe on with the wings off your back. It doesn't work like that. You're not ever going to be an angel, according to the Bible, when you die. Angels were here a long time before us, and angels are not us, and we are not angels. So are there evil spirits, though? Well, yes, there are. They are the fallen angels who follow Satan in rebellion. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, New King James Version. So the great dragon was cast out, meaning Satan. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan and all his followers cast out. So there are your evil spirits. They are demons or evil angels, should we say. So should we be afraid of ghosts, angels, spirits, demons, or whatever the hell they are? Well, the short answer is no. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 4 in the New King James Version says, We do not have to be afraid of Satan and his impersonations of the living and the dead if we give our hearts to Jesus and stay away from all these satanic activities like seances and Ouija boards and all this spiritualism, divination and gazing into the crystal ball and having your palm read and your fortunes told and all that. You got to stay away from it. This is what it says. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 in the New King James Version says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So, What we're saying here is that God's angels guide and protect us. They're not out here to cause us harm or play tricks to us or lie to us or try to deceive us in any way. Why do we know this? Because it says so in the Bible. Another example is Psalm 91, verse 9 through 11 of the New King James Version says this. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, New King James Version. If God be for us, 
who can be against us? So now that I've talked about all of these scriptures, and I'm sure this is not really what you were, oh boy, I can't wait to learn all these scriptures, right? But now that I've talked about all these scriptures and quoted all these things that are against ghosts and quote-unquote ghost hunting, I'm left with the ones that kind of say in a roundabout way that maybe there are such thing as ghosts of, of sorts. There are really only two that I can find, and uh, those are in uh, Revelations uh, chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, and Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 46. And they suggest that our souls may kind of sleep or enter some sort of uh, holding place until Judgment Day um, comes around. You know, people say, well, you know, Cousin Ralph died, and uh, he was a good man, and he went to church every Sunday, and he volunteered at the old folks' home on Wednesdays, and he was give you the shirt off his back and quote all these good deeds, and what a good person, Cousin, whatever I was, I said this guy's name was, Steve was. And he's dead now, and he has gone up to heaven. He is with the Lord. But if you if you really if you look at the Bible and all these things that I have just quoted to you, all these scriptures, no, he's not up there sitting by the side of God. He's not with Jesus. He's not in heaven. He's in the dirt. He's in his coffin. He's you no know, worm food pushing up daisies because Judgment Day hasn't happened yet. So when we die, people, our souls don't automatically go to heaven or hell. They stay with our physical body, according to the scriptures in the Bible. They stay with our physical body until judgment day comes. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. So the first uh, example that I have for you is Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And it says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and the, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's that's pretty harsh, right? So you're judged on the book, and if your name's not in the book, then... You, you get thrown into the lake of fire. And it says it's the second death. But it doesn't really say what happens, right? But it sounds like you're you're gone forever and you don't even have, your spirit's dead. That's the way I would interpret that. The second example here, and this is, this is a little bit longer of a quote. Uh, this comes from Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 46. I'm going to read this, but I think it's important to read these scriptures to you. Um it says, 
Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So what he meant was, when he said that they would disown him three times, came true. He went and he prayed three separate times, and he asked them, please come and stay with me, keep me company while I go through this. And each time he went away to pray in private, they fell asleep. Now you can't, you know, I can't say that you can blame them because staying up all night and they were tired and all that. They fell asleep. But it's not the disowning that one would think that it would be, right? What he meant was, you know, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and then you're not going to be able to fulfill that obligation. When and you're going to tell me you're going to do it, but then you're you're not going to be able to follow through with it. That's what he meant when he said he was going to be disowned three times. So Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists accept the idea of something that's called soul sleep. That's the theological concept that's not generally interpreted to allow for souls to be roaming around, but such an interpretation could leave a little wiggle room theologically for a human spirit to wander the earth as a ghost after death. And there are a few Roman Catholic theologians who say that some of the deceased may go through a sort of earthly purgatory in which they can appear to the living. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier is that when you die, you're not going to go to heaven or go to hell. You stay here in this earthly purgatory realm, right? However, nearly all evangelical interpretations take verses like the two Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to mean that 
Souls don't linger after they die. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So in conclusion, because I'm starting to run out of time, in conclusion, I've presented a lot of biblical information to you. Confusing, I know. It was confusing to me to try to interpret all of this. But when it comes down to it, isn't that kind of what the Bible and religion are after all? Aren't they by their very nature up for interpretation? That's why we have so many different Christian religions in the first place. It's because somebody somewhere didn't agree with their particular religious officials interpretation of the scriptures. And they broke away from that particular religion and formed their own based upon their own interpretation and their own beliefs. Now, I am not sitting here behind this microphone talking to you, dear listener, saying that I am an expert in the Bible and interpreting the Bible in all things of Christian religion, because I certainly am not, and I never claimed to be. What I have done is take, through some of my research, take some scriptures and interpret them the way that a lot of other people interpret them when it comes to what the Bible means with ghosts and spirits and hauntings and stuff like that. So once again, I want to make it clear, I am not an expert on the Bible. All I'm doing is just simply giving you some scriptures and saying this is what the Bible says about ghosts. So I like for you to make up your own mind. And I've always said I present the evidence and I let you make up your own mind as to whether you believe it or not. Now, before he died, Jesus Christ instructed his followers to establish the church. That's one church, not many. He only wanted one. And if you strictly follow the Bible as word-for-word fact, then that church, as far as I'm concerned, has to be the Catholic Church. It was the first church. There really can't be any other determination than this, as far as I'm concerned, if you follow the Bible word-for-word. But somehow, for some reason, God and Jesus stopped directly talking to us down over the centuries. And now we're left to make up our own minds and forge our own paths when it comes to religious beliefs. Now remember, God gave us free will, and we use that free will to come to our own determinations. We use that free will to write the Holy Bible, editing parts out of it and including parts in it to suit our own needs, or at least our ancestors did. But we're all human and we're fallible. Therefore, couldn't the Bible be wrong with its stance on ghosts and spirits along with a whole host of other things? Well, I for one say yes. I say that there is such a thing as ghosts and spirits. The evidence, well, the evidence for them is overwhelming. Every living creature on this planet has a soul, and that soul has to go somewhere after 
our living bodies die. And since our souls are the very thing that makes us us, and we have free will, then doesn't it make sense that after we die, we can choose to stay around on this earthly plane to try to finish some unfinished business or keep an eye on our loved ones? Well, I say, of course. Now, I go back to Jason and his original email here, and yes, I do keep my religious views vague because, once again, I don't think they, that religion and, or anyone's religious views should play a part in paranormal investigating. And I don't think that my religious beliefs should be a part of this podcast. And this is probably the only time that I am going to take a hugely religious chunk of information and make a whole entire episode about it. But I thought it was a great question. Can the two coexist? Do they belong? And I appreciate Jason asking that and giving me the opportunity to research this. And I really have to stand by what I said at the beginning, which is you can be religious or you can be atheist. It doesn't matter which one you are. And you can believe in the paranormal and you can believe in God and Jesus Christ or you can believe in Satan, worship whichever, or you cannot believe. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that you take whatever your religious viewpoint is, whether it's Christian, Satanism, Buddhism, Muslim, atheists, Church of Jedi, whatever. you, You take those religious beliefs, and when you do your paranormal investigation, you take your religious beliefs and you leave them in the car, and you keep your mind open. That's the only way that you're going to Uh, have positive, unbiased results when it comes to religion and paranormal investigating. So, yes, you can have a religion. It's okay to have a religion and investigate the paranormal. But when you start your investigations, you do not need to put your religious beliefs in on that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I have to say about that. And that, of course winds down this episode of Parareality. I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show, the all-new Parareality. Let me know what your ideas and thoughts about it are. Send me an email, sandman at parareality.com, or get in touch with me through my social media accounts. That's Parareality on Facebook and Parareal Radio, for now, on Twitter. You can always, of course, call the studio line at 615-692-1170 and Leave a message. Don't forget to visit parareality.com often to keep up on the latest paranormal news from all around the world. That content is updated daily. You can also shop in the Parareality Radio store and watch some of the terrible show videos that I've made for the show over the years. And You can actually follow my social media accounts right at the bottom of parareality.com homepage. Social media is where you can find out all about what's happening behind the scenes of the podcast because that's where I post a lot of interesting articles and show topics and upcoming guests and other interesting stuff like my travels and my investigations and stuff like that. Parareality.com is really your one-stop shopping for everything that's happening here with Parareality. 
Everybody, you can now also listen to Parareality on your favorite podcast station. Joe's available on Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Player FM, YouTube. Um, God, there's so many. It, wherever, whatever you like to listen to your podcast, it's pretty much available. All you got to do is just search for Parareality. And uh, um, we're on uh, iHeartRadio now. I'm still working on the iTunes thing. I know I've been working on that for months. Uh, if you have a smart speaker, you can listen from your smart speaker. Uh, if you have any of the already mentioned podcast skills on your smart speaker, just say, hey, play the Parareality podcast. Well, everybody, that does it for tonight. The next episode of Parareality is going to air on Friday, January 17, 2020 at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time, so make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope you have a wonderful evening and I will see you again in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in for the season premiere of man, season 14 of Parareality. Man, it's going to be a great season. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on the 17th. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.